This is an exclusive presentation from Federated Media, Unholstered. Here we go. It's time for another edition of Unholstered. Hopefully you all are having a fantastic weekend. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I'm just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. During the week, I host a local news talk radio program. And on the weekends, I represent the local media side here on Unholstered. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina, and I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome back to the show. Sophia obviously represents the local law enforcement side of this program. If you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can actually download the podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Just search for Unholstered. Sophia, last weekend, we started off the show with me congratulating you on a recent award that you received, and then you walk in here and say, you just received another one? Where was I? (laughs) Uh, not at the awards. Ceremony. No, I guess not. I didn't even <laughs> you were know. At another uh, event, or at least heard about it. Um, so this was the Latinos count. I was named Amiga of the Year for 2023. So yeah, that's like a really honor. big deal. It Congratulations! Was huge, and I was very unexpected, and I am very humbled and grateful to receive that award. Uh, well, truly, Sophia, congratulations Thank from you. me to you. Thank I know you. we could spend all day talking about your accolades, but we've got a really <laughs> important topic to get to. I know it's one you are particularly passionate about. And I, I mean, I think a lot of people are these days. It's just the topic of mental health. So who did you bring in for us today? Uh, this morning, I brought in Dr. Uh, Darren Higginbotham. He is joined our department a few years ago when we really took a turn towards mental wellness for our officers. And I'll let him introduce himself now. Good morning. I'm Dr. Higginbotham. I'm Darren. Please use that. Okay. I re- <laughs> You're not going to remember Higginbotham. Thank you, Doc. I really appreciate that because I don't know that I, I feel like I would butcher your last name and I <laughs> don't okay. want to do that. Um, I'm curious, Sophia, when you said you, your, your mental health program within the Fort Wayne Police Department kind of took a turn, what does that mean? Well, we actually started one. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so, um, you know, as you know, on this, I've talked about this show that I've been, been a big proponent of mental health almost my entire career. Um, and I know what I've needed throughout the years. And we finally got a group together and the chief had signed off on actually creating a mental wellness program, a peer support program for our department, for all of our officers. And through that, we received some grants um, through the government on COPS grants, I believe, wellness grants, something like that. And we're able to find Dr. Higginbotham, who does not reside in Fort Wayne, but he does come up and he holds sessions for our officers. Um, So when this first started a few years ago, we only had a handful of officers that actually showed up. And now he's here for a full week, one week or two. One week week. every quarter. Yeah. And the sessions are almost completely booked. Oh, wow. So officers are really leaning into this. And I'm, I'm happy about that because it's a much needed program to just help sustain our emotional health. How long have you had the program? We started in 2018. Where do you reside then? Where do you Indianapolis. Live? Oh, you're from. Okay, so you're in Indianapolis. Do you have your own practice in Indy? I do. We okay, have a private so practice there. When you got this call, or did you see this job post? I mean, how did this connection with the Fort Wayne Police Department even come to fruition? I believe it came from the fact that our practice works with hundreds of police departments and thousands of officers, and one of the big ones is the Indiana State Police. And I think when agencies are looking to start their programs, they contact the big boys and they find out what those guys are doing. And I believe the connection came that way that the state police uh, referred Fort Wayne to me. Where does your, I don't know, desire or passion to help law enforcement come from? I think that this is a population that you see some of the most noble people in the world I mean, I could not agree more. Yeah. I mean, I there's no way that I would sign up to take a job 
to do what these people do. So they intrigue me. I'm curious about them. You know what I mean? And um, I think that, you know, where my degree could be used with a lot of different populations, this is one that's been the most rewarding to work with. I mean, in grad school, I worked with children. I worked with couples. I worked with families. And I really didn't like it all that much. And I, <laughs> I, was asked, I mean, I, I got to be honest about that. And my supervisor recognized that. And he gave me an opportunity, this was in southern Missouri where I grew up, to go to a sheriff's department and start working there. And I absolutely loved it. So the rest is history, kind of. No, I, I can totally relate to that. I mean, that's kind of how this podcast started. I mean, for me, I'm with you. I always say that the, that the people who volunteer to serve and protect our communities to step forward to do that are some mm-hmm. of the bravest men and women we have in our country as well. So I couldn't agree with you more. And that's kind of how this podcast even started because I got tired of of the rhetoric yeah. about our, our local police officers. So I get that I'm with you. They are some of the noblest people that we have uh, walking on earth. So it's good to do right by them or try to do right by them. What is your degree in, Darren? It's in clinical psychology. And what brought you to that degree? What What made you walk down that road? Boy, how much time do you have? I got, at this point, about 20 minutes. We get to analyze you well, today, Doc. Well, it's funny. I was getting a degree in business oh. uh, my, my, at the University of Missouri, and my dad had been a longtime, very successful person in business as well, so I was just kind of following the family way. And But I noticed that when I was not in school and I was doing jobs, the business part of the degree that I was getting exposed to, marketing, economics, and all that kind of stuff... Uh, was not nearly as interesting to me as like how people got along at work because I'd see people come into work with problems and I'd see people fighting with each other at work and that part of work was much more interesting to me so I thought well how do I get a degree that would allow me to address things in the workplace that are uh, people issues and the next thing you know I called my dad and I said hey I think I'm going to change my degree to psychology. And he said, why the hell would you do that? (laughs) I can see that being kind of a startling uh, uh, conversation. So I don't think that he was very excited about that. But as time went by and he saw that I could make a good living at it and that I was good at it, it eventually received his blessing, you know. Right. He's got to obviously be pretty proud of you now. So fast forward 2018, you come on board with the Fort Wayne Police Department. And what is it you said? You you come up here for a week every quarter? Mm Mm-hmm to meet with members of law enforcement. And Sophia, is that strictly like, hey, I want to sign up for a session? This isn't mandated. This is specifically volunteer? It's not mandated, no. We don't do that. Although we can highly suggest that some people attend, and we sometimes if we really see a need, we will mark them on duty to attend. And some people do come on duty. Some people come off duty. Um, He does a a bit for retirees as well, um, because we know, you know, through mental health, you know, one of the greatest challenges is when an officer retires after giving so long of your life. Now you feel kind of empty and unuseful, um, and it can create some real problems. And we've had we've had some suicides in the past <clears throat> from retired officers, and so we really took a look at that and decided, well, we need to focus there as well. So all of our wellness programs does extend into our retirees as well. That is really cool. I didn't. I guess I didn't even think about the retired police officers to that degree, to that yeah. level. But it, it unfortunately kind of makes sense. Yeah. So when you say these visits, then so Doc, are they with you? Are these like closed door, one on one visits? Folks sign up for a time. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And I know you can't obviously reveal much about individual sessions, obviously. But what is it that you find maybe seems to be a commonality among all of the officers? 
Uh, I think the the primary things are, and I will say that it is different in every community that I go to. Really? So, for instance, in Indianapolis, when we do sessions there with people, there are a lot of different issues voiced by officers than what I hear here. So, for instance, we had horrible riots in 2020 in Indianapolis, and so even here today, three years later, removed from the riots, we still talk to Indianapolis officers that feel betrayed. Uh, there's certainly a moral injury that, you know, I signed up to protect my community and they're burning down buildings in the community. Uh, here, I don't hear those kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Thank God for you guys. I tend to hear more of issues that are going on outside of work, marriages, mm. kids, in-laws, you name it, just the those type of issues. Um, the, the things that might come up that are work-related tend to be I went to a critical incident. I was at an incident where somebody died, and I, I feel like I need to talk to somebody about that because within the department, it's usually the mantra of suck it up, mm-hmm. you know, or keep your mouth shut and don't talk to anybody because we've got an investigation going on and we don't want to compromise the investigation. But we, we would argue from the mental health side, it's actually very important that people, at least in a confidential environment, be able to talk through what they've experienced. Uh, and that they're not keeping it inside yeah. where, you know, unfortunately, this is a population that will cope very negatively, whether it's, you know, alcohol or you name it. So uh, the buy-in that Sophia talked about has been really good here. The first year I came up here, I, I you know, it was a long week because I was scheduled to be here a week. <laughs> yeah. And there might have been eight nine people that signed up to come wow and now it's routinely 30 40 oh. people oh geez yeah so it's really grown and you know officers talk to each other they're not trusting of outsiders in general mm-hmm. so once they talk to each other and found out hey this is a psychi- hey this guy's not too bad he's not too bad <laughs> he's a pro cop psychologist he, he supports what we do i think word traveled yeah and i think it's important to at least for what I hear from officers too, that he's an outsider. So that actually becomes important because no one feels he's running and telling anyone Mm -hmm. in the administration what's going on with each individual officer. Sometimes you could have that if they're on the inside, you know, like like if they're somewhere related to the department, but he's completely just outside of the department, which really helps, I think, in, in officers buying into actually going to these sessions. Yeah, that's a really good point. So obviously there's been a lot of growth since 2018 when yes. this this program started. Thankfully. What what do you hear then obviously on the inside, Sophia? Are you hearing people just like, oh, I'm so glad he's he's on our te- team, our staff, or however that works? I mean, what, what do you hear? I hear nothing but good things. Um, good things about the program in general and good things about him. Just, um, just having someone to kind of offload on. And yes, I do go myself <laughs> to these sessions. Just had mine at eight o'clock. This morning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So... It, it's one of those things where it's I'm happy that he's here and doing this. And I I would have never in a million years thought that there'd be so many officers buying into it in such a short period of time. Because you may think it's a long period of time between 2018 and not. But in cop time, this is like really, really fast. Things have happened really, really fast. And this has grown exponentially. And I think probably moving forward, we might actually have to add a, you know, a few more days on to this. Okay, so that go. was going to be my next question with all of this growth and positive feedback. I mean, I think that's quite the jump, eight officers from potentially 30, give or take. I mean, do you see growth in the future? I do. I do see growth. Um, however, we are at the end of the grand cycle. So from what all grants is we have to then absorb that into our budgeting so we do have to budget for this on on our 
line items and and I would hope that city council would see the enormous um, benefit to an emotionally well officer that they wouldn't cut anything and surrounding wellness for officers as part of the budget I you know let's make sure that we have that always in the budget because it's so important I might add a comment there that the growth too may be necessitated by legislation because there are now, Indiana's not one of them, but there are several states that have mandated legislatively that every law enforcement officer in those particular states will meet with a licensed mental health provider on an annual basis. So you look at what Fort Wayne is doing, it's not mandated here, but they're starting to have people come and talk to a psychologist. So you could kind of argue they're getting ahead of the curve here before it eventually happens legislatively and it's good news too because the traditional model was that applicants that wanted to be police officers would meet with a mental health provider and if they're deemed suitable and get the job then they're exposed to all the things that they see in a career and never again would most officers ever meet with a mental health person that model doesn't make any sense yeah no makes no sense so this idea of periodically checking in with somebody i think it's the analogy I use is like seeing your primary care doctor, and if the doctor sees something at a low level where they can address it before it metastasizes and becomes something huge, why wouldn't we do that? And so I think there, the the grant writing from the internal side of Fort Wayne can help it grow, but there may be some external forces like legislation that force it to grow. That's interesting. I'll definitely keep my eyes open for that. I mean, I know you said Indiana's not one of those states but i mean well, Sophia, we, should we, be. we should be and we know a lot of our representatives i'd be yeah. curious do you know if it's on their any of their radars uh, no i do not i don't hmm. think so but it can be we, let's put it on their With radar the shall we calls. yeah yeah for sure okay so I, I hate to bring COVID up, but I'm going to because I'm just genuinely curious. You've been with the Fort Wayne Police Department since 2018 doing these, you know, quarterly check-ins and even in Indianapolis. I mean, have things did COVID, you know, have an impact in what you are hearing from our officers between 2018 and, and the kind of where things were, you know, coming out of 2020, 21, even in 2022? I think at the time that COVID first came out, big changes because some agencies were very much directing their officers not to pull people over or even have contact with people. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. that lent itself to officers doing an eight-hour shift where they weren't doing a whole lot in terms of proactive policing. And so I think those guys would say that as COVID has kind of become... We know more about it and how it's transmitted and those kinds of things that they find themselves having to deal with different commands from up on high. Like now you want us to engage with the public, but for a while you didn't, you know, give us a consistent message. You're really conflicting. Yes. Uh, But, you know, the other thing, too, is that COVID has affected officers. We we forget lots of times that these are human beings. Mm -hmm. So you get officers that have died of COVID. You get officers who've had family members die of COVID. They're responding to citizens that have COVID and their family members. So it's been far reaching. I think that's what I actually love about this conversation is that our officers are humans, too. A great example of this is you, Sophia. You just walked in here and I see you've got some bandages on (laughs) your right arm. And I was like, what happened to you? Oh, my goodness. Which you had a surgery. Everything is all fine and dandy. But I have this um, unfair expectation that y'all aren't human. Like nothing's allowed to happen to you, Sophia. You're you're my superhero. You know. So kind of to that point with COVID, it's it's just kind of the sad reality that we don't think COVID's impacting our our officers. We don't think COVID's impacting our our firefighters or our first responders. You know, you're the ones there to, to to fix everything, not be 
having problems either. Yeah, none of us got shut down. So we worked through the entire thing. None of us had a day off, probably worked some, some of us worked even longer hours. You know, think about your EMS workers, your firefighters making those scenes of COVID patients, um, officers, just the unknown. Yeah. Because right? we didn't know a lot when it first came out, but yet we were tasked with still providing our services as needed. And, you know, that that unknown is what really affects everybody's psyche, I think, um, in when we're talking about things like this. Um, even, even going into a building where you just don't know if someone's in there, they intend to do me harm, all that stuff plays on your mind all the time. And when you're constantly on guard 24-7 because you have to be, um, it really becomes emotionally taxing. And so I'm really happy that we have programs like this that provide us an outlet um, to let things go and to have someone who doesn't really know us. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can talk to my friends all day long and sometimes they take my side when they shouldn't and I don't get that impartiality like I would with Dr. Higginbotham. So yeah, uh, I think that's a really good point. So I'm just really glad that I have this like third party intermediary that just kind of can tell me what I should hear and mm-hmm. not what I want to hear. Okay, and then be honest, all right? Which yeah. you you always I'm are. Always are. I always am, yeah. Is there at all because and we can kind of get into this, you know, there's always this like stigma around mental health before we really dive into that. But is there is there anything like that like, "Oh, Sophia, you signed up with a session with Darren." Oh. Like is there any kind of that vibe? I don't know, at least not to my face, but I always I we just had this conversation over here because he can see the schedule, but um we schedule through some officers on the department but if you don't want to schedule with them because you don't want them to know you're going you can schedule directly with dr higginbotham so you can do it both ways so you can keep it pretty discreet i prefer that people see my name on there uh, because i want them to know well sophia goes Mm -hmm. if a captain goes then i guess you know it's okay I, i don't know that that's how they view it but that's how i i'm thinking they view it so i'm out there and you know i'm freely about well wellness oh yes um i have no issue like to me, this is just like going to the doctor to have a surgery. You can go to the doctor to talk about some stuff and figure out those puzzles in your head that haven't yet been put together. So, why, why, Doc? In your opinion, because I don't know, I don't know if officers talk to you ever about this. Like th- this, this actual stigma around not even just mental health. I think particularly when it comes to law enforcement, I think that's even a bigger stigma, unfortunately. Because like you said, there's this mentality almost of like suck it up, Buttercup, mm-hmm. keep it on the inside don't say anything we've got an investigation anyway there really is kind of as much as it's a stigma there's also a little bit of truth to that to some degree but why well i think you could say the stigma exists in all at in all areas of our society with mental health yeah. not just with police officers but um you know i think as a kid i never saw a commercial on tv for an antidepressant medicine and now you see them all, all the, the time. time. Mm-hmm. So the the I think the tide is turning a little bit there. But uh, you're talking about a profession that's largely male, and we suck at talking about our emotions. <laughs> we're just not good with that. You're here. here. <laughs> so uh, I think professions like military and first responders, you hear that alpha male tough exterior even more so. But I think the the thing that this field is coming to terms with unfortunately is the research that shows that over the last say six seven years the primary reason that police officers die is not because they're getting shot by bad guys it's not because they're in vehicle accidents where they wreck their car it's because they're killing themselves wow so even in the recruit academy when new officers are coming in 
there's much more that's being given to them about, you know, we're going to train you on how to use a gun and how to drive fast and how to tase people and no constitutional law. But we're also going to arm you with your brain and your emotions because that's just as important is all the physical aspects of policing. So in agencies where you hear the top person, whether it's a sheriff or a police chief, espousing the need for mental health, you start to see that stigma uh, decline a bit. And, you know, there's this saying that the morale of an organization is set at the top. If the chief and the sheriff don't support it, then you're going to see agencies where mental health remains a stigma. But if they support it, like I'll just give you a like quick, Sophia putting yeah, her name out there. Yeah, I'll give you a quick example. Two weeks ago, I was at a sheriff's department south of here, and the entire department, in their case, they were mandated to come, but every single person in that department, including the sheriff, came and had an individual session with me, and that certainly communicates that this is what we're going to be about. This is important. The stigma is over. Lean into this. It's a part of who we are, are going to be. And so I, I, it's a slowly turning tide, but I think the stigma is slowly turning in the right direction. What would you say to an officer listening right now? I mean, I, I suppose even a non-officer, because you said it like you, I mean, it's kind of have the stigma in any form of career or really in any capacity. But what would you say to that, like that kind of you're talking about macho man, masculine? I don't I don't need this. You know, what would you say to that person? I would say that in my experience, having worked with first responders for 23 years that style works for a little while yeah and then it doesn't yeah and i think of the worst case scenarios i see are things like the guy that's the alpha that holds it all together Mm -hmm. eventually is revealing to others that he's got a drinking problem and that his marriage is falling apart and that he's blowing money at a casino to cope with things and so i think just the the I, I've long argued the guy with the biggest balls, pardon my expression, mm-hmm. is the guy that walks in and says, you know what, I can't handle this on my own. Wow. I yeah. need to talk to somebody. And whether it's military veterans or police officers, I, I really believe that. That there's such, because there is such a stigma and there's pride and lots of other things, that for somebody to come in my office really speaks to a real man, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, man, I never thought of it that way either. I'll tell you what, though, kind of on that note, just a couple of years back, and it was, it was just pre-COVID, because that's how we label things, you know, these days. <laughs> we also brought on as part of uh, part of our health care benefits package is three now free sessions um, with a psychologist simply because in the news world, it's one of those things, too. No one really tells you this when you go to school or decide, hey, I want to work in the media. They don't tell you that you're constantly going to be talking about babies who OD'd from fentanyl at their daycare facility and that you're going to be reading press releases upon press releases, police reports, you know, about dead bodies being pulled from the mommy and and so on and so forth. No one ever tells you that part of how incredibly depressing I feel like sometimes this job can be, not to mention the whole politics part of it, because then there's that in it, too. Um, But so just a couple of years back, I actually thought it was a really Um, great moment for my company. It's not mandated. We don't have to go see um, this particular psychologist, but we have three free sessions every year that reset if we feel like throughout the year, we also just kind of want to like check in, touch base and and see how we're doing, which I kind of, to your point, like a lot of jobs can be really stressful in different capacities. Obviously, I think first responders, Sophia, you got a little bit more of a stressful job (laughs) than I do. I'm with Darren. I don't, I don't want your job. I'd never sign up for your job, but it's, the, to your point, the tide does kind of seem to be turning a little bit 
And I don't as a matter of fact, it's kind of unusual these days to have jobs in any sector that doesn't offer employee assistance counseling to their employees because I think employers at large realize if my person is sane and stable, mm-hmm. they're a better employee. True. They're going <laughs> to do better work. Yeah. But your point about the uh, even if you're not out there in the trenches like Sophia and her group is, there is such a thing as what's called vicarious trauma. And in our world, in mental health, we talk about people that, for instance, like uh, you have people that have to work in digital forensics. That's a position in police where they're looking through people's phones Mm -hmm. and looking through people's computers and iPads, trying to uncover evidence of crimes. They're not out in the situation themselves, but just witnessing it and being around it can have a very significant impact on people. So I think that's great that your employer is recognizing, hey, yeah. the news isn't always unicorns and rainbows. Not at all, <laughs> unfortunately. So what are we giving to our staff that has to mm-hmm. be on the periphery of that? Well, I think it was just to your point, you know, that the tide is turning a little bit. And obviously, Sophia, it sounds like it's turning amongst your officers as well. When going from eight to thirty, I think that's a pretty staggering stat over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm super happy about that. Cause, you know, we always talk about you know going home safe and going home with as many holes in your body as you came to work with, but we never talk about going home with emotionally healthy, like you came yeah. in if you came in emotionally healthy to begin with. But going home in that same manner, because we see so much during the course of a, just one shift that it's just it's just one of those things that we take for granted. That we just go home and we'll deal with it, but we're not dealing with it well, and the stats prove it. Suicide is the number one killer of police. Alcoholism, gambling, uh, marital issues, those are all part of those problems, too. So I'm glad we're looking forward and addressing those in a positive way. Sophia, if, if anyone with the Fort Wayne Police Department is listening right now and they want a session, do they go to you? Do they go to Darren? How do they do that, let's say, next time around? Or how do they know within your department he's coming? Like, how, What does that look like? The email comes out. Uh, you can sign up through that email or the, his Dr. Higginbotham's number is on there. You can always call him. So if they want um, to book A direct it. book. That okay. way nobody else knows. Gotcha. Doc, thanks for coming up. I know you're here for your session, so I appreciate you making a time for our session here on Unholstered. And if you've missed any previous sessions of Unholstered, you can download the podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Just search for Unholstered. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Unholstered. Podcasts by Federated Media.